back to the fifth episode of Movie Babble's Road to the 2021 Oscars. Now, this is a very exciting episode as we are going to run down the actual Oscar nominations. A lot of big stuff today, but first, I want to welcome on Nick. Uh, Great to have you back yet again. Yep. Uh, Since no one else is going to take the reins as the uh, lead actor in Judas and the Black Messiah, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's so many great tweets that came out of that, uh, that uh, kind of situation there. I saw one that was like, uh, you know, when the Jordan feels sweating uh, face, it's yeah. like that. And it's like Jesse Plemons when he wakes up and realizes he's the lead of Judas. <laughs> um, yeah, it's weird. They they throw a few curveballs at us. It's kind of cool. They kinda did. Cool to talk about. I feel like uh, most of them are pretty good as well. Like they're interesting choices, not yeah. terrible. And even, even another one I saw that was good was, uh, it was saying that they there's no lead in Judas. Uh, Lakeith and Daniel Kluge are supporting each other. They're a team. <laughs> no, there's no I in team. Just a lot of just a lot of brotherly love going on there. Yeah. Some good <laughs> tweets. Um, but yeah, so it was a pretty, in my opinion, I think we had a we have a very solid lineup of nominees in terms of Oscar standards. Like, I'm pretty happy with what we got. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff. Um, like uh, maybe it is because of this compressed year. There's not as many big budget things kind of sneaking into the conversation i just found it to be a very interesting year i mean these are these are a good slate of nominees in my opinion uh what's your what's your take overall just kind of face value yeah i f- i feel similarly where i i look at the just the best picture nominees themselves and i really like uh well i guess i haven't seen the father so i like six of the eight uh, i haven't seen the father and i don't like trial of chicago seven uh, but that's pretty good for all things considered. Normally I like a little less of them and then have issues elsewhere, but this was a really good year, I think. And it was a really, I think it can't be stressed enough how important of a year this is for diversity and Oscar nominees. Um, there are a lot of really good stuff there. Cool. Really cool to see um, two women get nominated in the best director category and especially Chloe Zhao, Chloe Zhao being the first woman of Asian descent to get in there. So really cool. Uh, uh, there's just a lot of cool stuff, no matter in each category you look at, a lot of interesting things getting nominated. So I would have liked to see some other things get nominated, but um, I feel like the Oscars is slowly making its way to becoming more of like a film advocacy um, group where they're saying, hey, look at all these cool things that maybe you haven't seen, but you should check out. Um, so I think I think all this stuff is fairly inspired i think it's cool yeah i agree i think one thing i mean there there, there was there was certainly a lot of diversity this year and, and deservedly so i think pretty much all the nominees here are quite deserving i'm very happy with what we saw but there were some people saying how you know maybe in a year where where covid didn't happen we would have had spielberg's uh musical there but we would have had some of these other big kind of budgeted studio movies that might have kind of ran the table similar to last year once upon a time in Hollywood and Irishman picked up like 10 nominations each um, this year we weren't really left with too much of that I think Manx the only comparable to a movie kind of like that where Manx picked up 10 nominations at the Oscars this year and it is kind of one of those more studio kind of throwback movies uh, old Hollywood but I am very happy with what we saw today so let's kind of get going here so we'll jump into the best visual effects category um, so the nominees here were Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, The One and Only Ivan, and Tenet. Um, this is when we kind of look back to this category years and years from now, pretty much um, like it's going to be one of the weakest years ever for visual effects, I think. And it, it does have to kind of do with COVID and just not many big budget movies coming out. But even then, they didn't really go with any traditional, let's say, 1917 or first man type picks here. I mean, Tenet's similar. Tenet's not like a CGI fest. It's very much practical effects and the way the camera's utilized. Um, so that's kind of your closest to it. But yeah, it's a it's a category that I think Tenet's the the easy front runner, and we'll probably see it pick up an Oscar here. Oh, it's interesting because I was looking at this earlier and thinking I have no idea who's going to win this. But I guess that does make sense. It's definitely the most uh, buzzy of all of these. Like, I, I doubt. One and only Ivan's going to be the one taking the Oscar when this is all said and done. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's this, I feel like this, this category is the hardest hit from this year. There's just, yeah. the, the feel just isn't as great. There's no Avengers movies or things like that in here. But 
Um, cool to see Love and Monsters in there. Uh, I haven't seen it, but a lot of people really like it and are recommending it. So I'm looking forward to in the five years that we have between the nominees and the actual uh, ceremony that we have this year to actually uh, watch that and all the others I haven't seen. So it was cool to see that one get in there. Certainly. Um, there was one uh, Welcome to Chechnya that I was hoping would get in just because of how kind of cool the 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 uh, what they did in that movie was with the deep fake visual effects, but it didn't quite land here. And it maybe it was a theme. It didn't land in the documentary section either. So it, it got blanked after looking good after the short lists a few weeks ago. But yeah, personally, I think Tenet's the winner here. I mean, Tenet uses the least effects out of these five movies, um, but it's the biggest and grandest. I just think it's the proper one to award, especially because Tenet really didn't do too well at the Oscars this year. I mean, I, I think that's a story that I'd love to discuss um, with how that movie was handled in terms of its campaign. Like, uh, like maybe if people don't like Tenet, I think the craft of, of what went into making that movie has to be recognized. I think a lot, I mean, a lot of it was shot backwards, even on camera, the editing. Uh, it, I think there's just a lot that went into that movie that just from a craftsmanship point of view, it, it deserved a little bit more recognition. So I do hope it does get a victory here in the visual effects category. I mean, Warner Bros. is just like, maybe it's because of Nolan coming out hard against HBO Max, calling it the worst streaming service. <laughs> but <laughs> we had uh, the Oscar streaming site, which has over 200 movies on it. The Warner Bros. didn't even submit Tenet. Um, no screeners were sent out for this movie. Um, they, they, they really didn't push it late in the game. And I think it could have done a little bit better below the line uh, if it was pushed, but really this movie getting in is based off pure just voters voting for it. So they, they get in with two nominations here, but visual effects is the one I think they'll win. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the no shot, like for above the line stuff. I think this is one of the more uh, like strange Nolan movies. And I think that it's just kind of dense. And I feel like that would have turned off a lot of voters, but yeah, there's no question that this would have done. This would have made a killing if they actually went for it in all these sound and effects categories and maybe even editing honestly it might have been an outside chance for that as well but um, it's good to see it here mm -hmm. yeah and it's the one that has the least effects but kind of the most if you will i mean i think it's the winner here so we'll move on from that um and move up to best sound so with best sound we have greyhound mank news of the world soul and sound of metal um these are a solid five nominees two tom hanks led movies getting in there and also the first nomination there for Apple TV Plus there with Greyhound. They also got Wolfwalker snuck in there as well. Uh, not snuck in. It was it was a pretty favorite to get nominated, but Wolfwalker's got nominated as well. So uh, yeah, Greyhound's here. Um, I think Sound of Metal's the winner personally for Best Sound. I just think you got sound in the title, <laughs> and it's just a movie that I think utilized sound the smartest uh, out of all these five. So. I'm rooting for it to win. I really hope it wins. And it would be one of my favorite uh, wins of the night if it does happen. Yeah, it'd be weird if it didn't win. The movie's literally about sound. <laughs> so like, I don't know how any of these movies utilize their sound better. Uh, I think uh, Soul is a pretty inspired pick because I think that movie does have a way of creating a really interesting atmosphere around it. And I think the sound has a lot to do with it. So that's a pretty cool pick. I, I don't know if I necessarily saw coming, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a Sound of Metal's category. Yeah, and you know, especially with that sound, with the soul pick even, it represents now a uh, Pixar film and just an animated film period that has broken outside of the traditional uh, box that animated movies are kept in, right? You got the best animated feature category and best score and best song. That's usually where you see those movies. Um, so Soul Breaks Out gets into the best sound category here, and I think it's deserved. I mean, I think... The movie does sound really, uh, really good. I think Greyhound's kind of your typical war action movie that gets in every year, similar to News of the World. And then Mank, I think, utilized sound in a good way, similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood getting this nomination last year, just kind of the sound mixing element and just the atmosphere. But yeah, Sound of Metal should be the winner here. Um, quickly, just for fun, because this is the first year they've blended the sound editing, sound mixing. So now we're like the BAFTAs, right? Best sound, period. Um, if, if it was a split category here, uh, what do you think would get in for editing? What do you think would get in for mixing? Um, and then I'll, I'll say my picks because I got five for each kind of setup. Oh, geez. I'm not prepared. <laughs> um, um, I'd have to go with, I think Mank would get, hmm, 
I'm between Mank and Sound of Metal. I'm trying to decide which would get which. Uh, I'd say Mank gets mixing and Metal gets editing. Yeah. What do you think? I think so. I think I, I would agree personally. I think uh, that's a pretty solid pick. I think I don't think Greyhound's big enough to, for people to hear it and then kind of watch it and get it a victory in what would be editing. But uh, yeah, it, it's tough. But here we are. Best sound has been merged. I liked when they were split. I understood the difference, but Oscar voters don't really understand the difference. So we <laughs> here, here we are. Um, so yeah, best sound. It's going to be going to be big. It'll be the first time we've had just a period kind of best sound winner. So very historic. Uh, so we'll go to best film editing now. Um, the Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. Um, I'm happy to see The Father get in here. I think a lot of these were mostly expected. The one that was expected and missed is Mank, which uh, kind of hurts for them, um, but they still got 10 nominations on the night. So well, what do you see in this category winning? Uh, personally, I'm a trial kind of predicting for that. I hope it's not trial because I don't understand why it's here. Personally, I think that's one where it's the most editing and it's using a lot of quick cuts to kind of artificially inflate like the driving force of that film. Like, I guess it can, I guess I assume it, it worked clearly because it got a nomination, but I just saw through the ruse in that too easily, you know, where it's like, oh, we're going to do all these cuts to like folders closing and like pens, like, like getting pointed out and things like that. Like it just, it just felt really like forced to me um but that being said i think it could win <laughs> yeah you know I think, I, th I think it is the front runner and you know personally i i agree with you with the with the it's funny you mentioned that there's the little kind of cuts folders closing and the pens kind of waving i mean i agree but i think the last 20 minutes of this movie were edited really well personally like i i i, I liked trial i thought it was good it's one of my least favorite of kind of the awards contenders but i thought it was a good movie and the last 20 minutes or so were the most memorable for me besides that cheesy ending. But the last 20 minutes I thought were edited in a way that was pretty entertaining and it kind of brought the movie together. Well, that's what I think too, when I think editing for this movie, just that end, but yeah, you're right. I think it is, it, it is that kind of quote unquote, most editing that kind of gets you in there. Um, similar to Bohemian Rhapsody winning best editing a couple of years back. Um, I think it's a very similar, uh, similar scenario here. I'm, I'm happy to see the father, which would be my personal pick. Um, but I just don't know if there's anything here that challenges trial. Like I know sound of metal tied them at the critics choice, but I just don't see sound of metal pulling that out here. Um, maybe if Nomadland runs the table on Oscar night, it could pick one up here, but I think trial is a very safe favorite here. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I'm, I'm keeping it. I keep an eye on the father, even though I haven't seen it, but from our conversations and literally everyone I've talked to, they say that the editing plays a really big part in why that movie works. So um, I wouldn't count that one out either, but um, I'm just, I'm just kind of hoping the trial doesn't win this. <laughs> uh, well, now we'll move on to the best original song here. Um, I'm, I'm kind of glad I went with one of these kind of on my last uh, little prediction there. So this, this one, well for me. I, uh, so the first one here is fight for you, which was from Judas. I hear my voice from trial and then Husevic got in from Eurovision. Uh, that was kind of a last minute ballsy pick and it, it got in. Um, and then seen from the life ahead and then speak now, which is probably going to be our winner. I think One Night Miami didn't do very well here uh, with the nominations. Uh, so I think they they are kind of, that's where they're going to put all their chips in, into that sound, into that song category, sorry. So I think speak now is our front runner. Yeah, shout out to Eurovision which is a movie that I just don't remember, but I think it's really funny that it's going to be in here. I just like, cause we're going to have the moment where they have to read the entire title of Borat too. And then also having to say Eurovision song, song contest, the story of fire fire saga is also really funny. And I can't even say it. I'm stumbling over the words. So that'll be a funny moment. Yeah. Um, you know what? The other one that I was hoping to see uh, maybe surprised with the Wuhan flu song from Borat 2. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that that might be a little too edgelordy for the yeah. for the Oscars, but that would yeah. have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah, who's if it kind of close enough? But yeah, I think Speak Now has got to be our front runner here. So move on to the original score category. Um, so original score, The Five Bloods, Mank, Minari, News of the World, and Soul. So the bottom four there are very typical. It was kind of that fifth spot that was 
who knows who's going to get in. You know, you have Tenet, which was kind of on the cusp. Uh, but I think Tenet, I, personally, I really love the Tenet score, but it's a little bit too techno maybe for the uh, Academy. But The Five Bloods gets in. Sad to say it's The Five Bloods' sole nomination. And The Five Bloods has a really good score. I have listened to it. It's kind of your rousing kind of uh, army score, but it has a lot of very different tracks as well that are uh, good and, and kind of uh, it, it utilizes well and you know what it's it's weird that this is its only one if i had to predict one on the night for the five loads i don't think i would have predicted score but it but it gets in here um soul still our front runner though i'm here for justice for tenant i think this is ridiculous personally i just like this like the score in tenant is the best part and it's the reason that i think a lot of people like that movie it's just really cool that, that score is going to live on and I, oh, yeah. I think people are already like listening to it and love it so I feel like that it just would have made more sense. Like, I think five years from now, people will know the tenant score. They won't know the Five Blood score, even though I think the Five Blood score is really good and, has, and it utilizes like that taps, like old timey war um, sound. It just it works really well. But I just maybe we're maybe just getting rid of News of the World. I don't know. I just I would have liked to see Tenant in here. That would have been cool. Yeah, I mean News of the World. You got James Newton Howard, right? Who is kind of just your Oscar darling, or just someone who always yeah. kind of jumps in there so personally i think you're right i think the tenant score it's one that i, I remember listening to a song on it this morning actually just people i saw it on twitter people saying the justice for the tenant score so i, I <laughs> played the video listened to it and it just kind of gets you going it's a very good score i think every year there's one uh, score certainly that um doesn't get nominated and most certainly lives on kind of in uh uh the kind of in kind of with fans i think you look last year one that probably was never going to get nominated but was a gorgeous score and one that i think personally has a cult following is the uncut gem score um oh absolutely i'm here you're speaking of the choir right now such a unique score and it, it was so cool so that's one that i personally love and it was never going to get into the oscars but people were really pushing for it hard and it's one probably from that year that'll live on Tenet will be from this year. And even from the year before that was first man score, which didn't even get an Oscar nomination, despite winning like at every other award show, they just didn't get in even to get nominated. Uh, and that first man score was gorgeous from a couple of years back. Um, so yeah, there are scores that don't get in that live on certainly. And Tenet's going to be this year's version of that. Yeah. It's, it's just full of bangers. That's, that's all. It's just cool. I would, yeah. I just, it makes me a little sad. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with solo as our front runner. It's, you got the blending of kind of your um, kind of that soul world and kind of the jazz world, a great blend there. So I, I do think uh, soul is going to kind of lock it up pretty easily. Yep. I agree. So move on to makeup and hairstyling. First things first, very sad not to see birds of prey here, despite suicide squad winning. Um, I know birds of prey, they didn't have as much makeup, if you will. It was, it was, there were less people. So I get it, but it's sad that, you know, that kind of uh, thing has occurred, but Emma gets in, which was not expected. Uh, Hillbilly LG gets in, which was expected. And then Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank and Pinocchio, which were all expected. Um, I think Pinocchio, like I haven't seen it, but I've seen the still images and a couple of videos. Very cool. Very cool to see it get in. Um, but I think it's probably between Ma Rainey and Hillbilly. Uh, yeah. And I think Ma Rainey will probably win. I hope it's Ma You kind of willed the Pinocchio thing into existence a little bit. You've been on that one. Good on you. Yeah. You and it's, a little bit. Uh, I mean, we'll get to the next category there. made another surprise. But uh, yeah, I think, I think Ma wins here. I think Hillbilly would have won if it was a better movie, maybe. I don't know. I don't even know. I, th I think Ma Rainey's got it here. I think that kind of grease paint look that, that they put on uh, Viola Davis there was uh, pretty impressive. And it kind of just like there was a hair and makeup in this movie that added to each character in my opinion. So uh, I'll stick with them. Yeah, no doubt. And it would have been nice to see birds of prey here. And then even also in costume design, which we're going to get to in a minute, but I think those, those two aspects are, are two ways that uh, birds of prey, I think worked as a corrective to everything in suicide squad where it took away the male gaze a little bit in the framing and just the setup of those characters. And just, I think it worked really well and for a lot of different ways. So a little bit of a bummer there, but what can you do? Yeah. So yeah, costume design, you're right. Birds of prey is not here, but I think like for me personally, it's my personal pick for best of the year. I think there were so many cool sequences in that movie. Really, yeah, very, absolutely. Very cool costumes. It was even the one where they kind of spoofed Marilyn Monroe 
uh, yeah, really cool stuff. So anyways, we'll get into the uh, costume design here. So Emma gets nominated, uh, Ma Rainey, Mank, Mulan, and then Pinocchio. So this is just so weird. Pinocchio gets in for costume as well, which I remember they were reading out the nominees and I'm like, yep, 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 yep. And then, oh, interesting. Pinocchio, uh, very cool as well. Good for them. I mean, it's such a tiny movie that probably barely anyone have seen to get two Oscar nominations uh, and, and one in a category where you really weren't expecting it to is pretty cool. Uh, so those are our five. I think Emma's probably the front runner here. Um, don't count out Ma Rainey. Yeah. Yeah. Emma Ma Rainey. I'd probably put Mank in there as like probably running in third, something like that. I think those are the top three. I just don't really see Milan or Pinocchio really doing anything. Their, their prize is just, it's just being at the dance. Yeah, I agree. Um, so best, uh, best production design, sorry. So best production design here, we had the father get in, which is pretty cool. Uh, Mar Rainey's black bottom gets in, which I'm kind of, uh, like, I know it's been getting in everywhere, but I just don't understand that one. Uh, Mank gets in uh, news of the world gets in and then tenant does get in. Uh, I was glad to see it here. Gets two nominations. That's cool. Um, yeah, I think Mank is like far and ahead our winner here. I don't, I don't even see anything really challenging Mank at this point. Yeah. I, I do like the Maharani stuff quite a bit because I think, yeah, because we're only in a few rooms throughout the movie. And I think I touched on this last pod, but I do think all of the settings are incredibly well-crafted and very specific and very detailed. Like even just when the, the cold open, when um, um, Viola Davis' character is performing out in the woods in that tent, I just think all, all that stuff is really well-rendered, even if it's not like tenant or globe hopping and all that stuff. So I can, I, I totally understand the, a nomination i think it's well deserved in that sense but um i don't know it's production design i can't get too angry about <laughs> no, anything I'll, here you know i'll listen to that i'll listen to that for sure i'll take that into consideration um, the father's <laughs> thank you appreciate an, it the father's an interesting <laughs> one that i think when i first watched the father i didn't really pick up on that aspect of it all that much and then um when it kind of started there was some buzz around it i kind of understood why and you'll see when you watch it um why it's just kind of a neat nomination for them there um so we'll move on to best cinematography now uh judas and the black messiah gets in mank news of the world nomadland and then the trial of the chicago seven mostly cool picks cherry got snubbed <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding no comment <laughs> but those are our five and i think nomadland probably has this one locked up but what's your what's your take on that trial nomination uh yeah I, we talked about this before we got on i don't get i don't get it because i watched that movie and i one of my big um takeaways were one that aaron sorkin isn't a very good director which we'll get to later but i'm happy about in that case but i also thought the movie just just looked very flat almost like a tv movie it just wasn't really doing anything particularly interesting to me visually uh, so I never really understood why it was here. It feels like they're just nominating it just to nominate it, but um, I certainly don't think it's going to win. And um, Sorkin snub later on in Best Directing kind of shows that maybe the Academy is not too crazy about this in overall. Um, but yeah, it's it's Nomadland, maybe Mank second after that, probably. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I do agree. Um, now I'm just going to, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the short stuff, but I did want to point out just, uh, I do want to tell everyone to just watch the shorts. If you can try to find them for all three categories, live action, short, animated, short, documentary, short, always important. Um, and then one got in here for animated short. If anything happens, I love you. You remember talking about that on the pod several months ago. Yeah, it's good. And I have already started compiling where all these plate, where all these shorts are. So I'm definitely going to give them a shot. By the time we get to our, uh, predictions and all of this. Uh, I'm gonna be, try to watch everything on the list here. So try to awesome. get learn it a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be set for that day. That'll be important. Um, so best documentary feature now: uh, Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time. I remember saying it in my predictions article on the site there that uh, that uh, Dick Johnson. I didn't really know. Like it was it was my hail mary number five pick because I think it's kind of a quirky movie that I didn't think. You know, I, I thought there would be a chance for it just because it's been so popular, but there you go. It slips out. And um, what, what was your what was your take here on these five? I'm happy about Octopus Teacher and Crip Camp wasn't fully expected to get in just because it's a movie that utilizes a lot of archival footage. And we've seen in recent years, 
those don't always get in. Um, but yeah, those are our five here. Um, I'm not too familiar with many of them. So who, who's, who would you say is running first here? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this one is very much up in the air because I wouldn't have expected the mole agent in my octopus teacher, but it seems like um, like it's the octopus teachers taking everybody by storm on Netflix. That became a really big deal when that came out. Um, when Crip Camp first came out, I would have thought it was a front runner because it was a big deal when it first came out, but then it kind of, the conversation around it kind of slowed down a little bit. And that was probably just because of its release date. And I think it came out right at the beginning of lockdown in the States, like last March. So like about a year ago, so I can certainly see why, but my guess is everyone who, I haven't seen Collective, but everyone who has seen Collective says it's like one of the most important movies of the year. So my guess is there, that that's the pick. Um, I could certainly see um, Crip Camp as well, because I think um, that's the Obama's documentary. And I think they, I mean, they won with American Factory. Was that last year or two years ago? Exactly. So um, yeah, so they're, I think, becoming a big deal within that space. And it's also the, the Netflix machine as well. So yeah. I think it's those two, but I don't know. I think this one is totally up in the air. Do you think time has a good shot here? I know that's kind of had a lot of buzz. I think that's on Prime, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. It's probably, I mean, I've only, I guess I've only actually seen two of these. I've seen Crip Camp and Time, but Time made my top 10 list last year. So it's a really good movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, w- I would love if they chose that one, but I'm not sure that's the kind of documentary that the Academy goes for in my sense. And I think you people will understand when they watch it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Um, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. I'm going to try to also watch all five by the time uh, the actual awards rolls around. So moving to the best international feature film now, um, quote, Vetus Ida, Bosnia gets in. That was mostly expected. The man who sold his skin from Tunisia got in, which kind of uh, flew under a lot of people's radars. A collective gets in here, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Romanian documentary, obviously. Uh, Better Days from Hong Kong, another one that wasn't expected to really get in, but did. And then another round from Denmark, which is, I don't really see anything beating out another round here. Uh, it, it's for me, I think it's, it's a near lock to win. Yeah. This one was also a little weird. I was surprised that there was no um, La Llorona in here from Guatemala, which I think was nominated for a globe. Um, I really like that movie. That's, that movie's also a horror movie. So maybe that's why they didn't go that way. Um, two of us from France, I thought was really terrific as well. I'm surprised that didn't get in. I think that was also a globe nominee. Um, but yeah, it's another round all the way. Um, after all of what well, I'm sure we'll get to another round success later on, but I rewatched the ending of another round yesterday because it dropped on Hulu and it's just, it just made me smile. It's so great. <laughs> it's like one of the best endings the last five years. I think so I'm really be- happy to see it. Yeah, I, I expect it to win, you know, and I think it'll be one of the more unique Best International Feature Film winners because it's not, I, I wouldn't call it a super, like it is very deep, but I wouldn't, I don't think it's super art house personally. Like it's, 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 it has yeah. some artistic flair, you know, but I think it's a very accessible movie personally that I think anyone can really watch. Um, but yeah, I do hope to see it win. Yeah, it's super accessible. I hope everyone checks it out because I think it actually just dropped on Hulu yesterday or the day before. So it was really smart by um, the studio, I think is uh, Samuel Golden Films, but really smart kind of timing there. So I hope everyone checks it out because it's uh, it's so good. Just, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, so now best animated feature. We have Onward, Over the Moon, uh, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, which is just a big curveball. I was maybe looking out for soul and then wolf walkers and this has got to be one of the safest locks of the night for soul however you're going to get the odd dude in the corner that predicts wolf walkers to try to make a bunch of money <laughs> but uh, i think i think we, we can be pretty confident saying soul wins here uh shout out to the crudes um sorry that's <laughs> um i'm happy that because i haven't seen either sean of the sheep movies and apparently they're amazing so i'm looking forward to now that i'm told that the world that i'm gonna watch everything here that i have to go back and watch the first one so that'll be fun for me um but it just seems like that's a more interesting thing to talk about than crudes too i don't really feel like anyone liked that pick at all <laughs> yeah both uh like i thought maybe crudes would 
I predicted it because I thought, you know, it's one of the only movies that really had a theatrical release and it did well in theaters, like considering the pandemic, it did pretty well. Um, so yeah, I was, I was really thinking that would get in, but Sean the Sheep movie is one that uh, it's, it's both movies are really well received. Um, especially this one, it's like nearly a hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was neat for it to get in. Um, I think we can, yeah, we can agree. Soul is probably our favorite there. Now we'll get into some fun ones. So we'll start with best adapted screenplay. Really took us for a ride here with this one. Um, we'll start with Borat's subsequent movie film gets a nomination. So it repeats just as uh, the first Borat got a screenplay nomination. This one does as well. Uh, the Father gets in, Nomadland gets in, One Night Miami gets in, and then The White Tiger gets in, which is interesting because uh, uh, Parika Chopra, who there, who did read out the nominees, she's in this film, so she was pretty excited. Um, too bad, however, uh, for Ma Rainey, which was supposed to get in here, didn't. Um, we had we had some surprises. Uh, Welcome for me. Like I, I think it's cool to see Borat land in here. Yeah, it's kind of funny because Borat's like mostly improvised. So that's just kind of funny that that's screenplay, but there was the same thing with the last one that also got a nomination, but I just always think that's kind of funny. Uh, really shout out to the white tiger. Uh, Ramin Barani has been making really good movies for his entire career. Um, I actually just reviewed a couple of them because they just got reviewed on criterion. I can check those out on the site, but he's a really good director and writer. And I'm really happy to see him sneak in with the white tiger. Um, I was expect I was, after they announced that the Jonases were announcing, I figured there could be some White Tiger stuff going on because why would they not nominate it and also have um, Pranka Chopra Jonas on there? It's kind of weird, but cool to see that in there. Um, I don't really know who the front runner is. Maybe it's Nomadland? I yeah. Th- that might be it. Yeah, I think Nomadland is the front runner. It's been, I didn't. Th- think it early in the season i think one night miami i thought was going to be the front runner but then nomadland just started winning and winning and winning this category um and one night miami really underperformed here at the oscars i think it did well it got three nominations total and to get a screenplay there kemp powers who also helped with the soul uh screenplay very good good for him to get a nomination here um but yeah i just don't think it has enough around it to really win here and the father which is very well written as well. I just don't know about that one either. That could be a challenger. Um, Borat and the White Tiger, we're going to write off. I don't think <laughs> they really have a shot. Um, but yeah, I think Nomadland winning would be such a weird victory because I don't think a screenplay when I think that movie, but we've talked about it before and just how unique it was the way she did write this movie. I, I guess it does make sense, but it is, it is an interesting category, but I do see Nomadland being the front runner at this point. I wouldn't rule out Borat too. Not so fast, my friends. <laughs> I'm gonna. Th- I'm just gonna throw that out there. There's been a lot of weirdness this year. I wouldn't be shocked if Borat two won. I don't think it's going to, but I'm not gonna write it off. But I will write off the White Tiger. <laughs> that one's not winning. Fair, very fair. Um, so we're gonna move into the best original screenplay now. Um, huge snub here for uh, David Fincher's Pops. No, no Mank, and that was kind of one that when it happened. It was one of the first ones they revealed. I'm like, oh, that, that hurts. Uh, so we'll start. You got Judas and the Black Messiah, which gets in, which really just points to just the overwhelming love that the Academy has for Judas. Uh, so it gets in here. Uh, Minari gets in. Promising Young Woman gets in. Sound of Metal gets in. And then The Trial of Chicago 7 gets in. Um, Sound of Metal, super cool nomination there. But yeah, no Mank, which is crazy. I didn't think Mank was like a complete lock. I think really only Promising Young Woman and Trial were. But Mank is one that was getting in everywhere. It even got into the BAFTA. Um, so yeah, kind of too bad for the late Jack Fincher. Yeah, and there was a really tidy awards kind of like story there because obviously written by the dad who died long ago and the movie is about the screenwriter who maybe necessarily didn't get all the credit he deserved. So there was a really, there was a really good way to campaign that, you know? So it is kind of surprising that it wasn't in here, but um, I guess we it's safe to assume that Sound of Metal did take its place or I guess maybe Judas as well, because I was yeah. kind of flying slightly under the radar. But I think it's cool to see both of those in there because I think those are really inspired picks. And um, I think maybe Sound of Metal might have, even have a better screenplay, maybe. Who knows? But I think it's uh, those are really two, those are two cool, cool picks. They are. They're very cool. Even I'm just I'm just happy to see Minari get in here. Um, it, it's very cool. I know, I don't know if you heard the backstory there about Lee Isaac Chung, but he was writing this, ready to give up filmmaking and then you know, 
got to make this, never thought he would. And it's, it's obviously it's uh, proved to be a, a very good avenue in his life. And it's, uh, it's been great. So it's great to see him land here. I think we'll probably see trial win. We'll probably see Aaron Sorkin win, especially considering he misses out on another, another category we're going to talk about, but don't count out promising young woman. Right. I think we have to see what happens in the next few weeks, see how that does at some other places um, to see if it can, pull out the win here, the upset win, but I think trial is our uh, favorite. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I've been on promising young woman in our last few pods. And I think that's the move here, especially because I think with uh, Fincher not getting director, I think that does speak to trial. I feel like it's kind of sliding into Mank territory where it got nominations, but no one feels super excited about it. So my guess is there could be, and when we have, we have 40 days between um, when, the, when the nominees came out and the ceremony. So there's gonna be a lot of catching up by um, Academy members. And there's gonna be a lot of time to check these out and a lot of discussions surrounding these movies. So there, I think there is a case where all the hot takes come for Promising Young Woman and it kind of doesn't win because of that. Cause there's definitely a hot takey, bad take kind of movie <laughs> that a lot of people can make. But I think it's also a very buzzy screenplay that's doing a lot of uh, interesting things. So I think, I think it could win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to stick. I mean, this is something we'll probably go back and forth on just as the next few weeks progress, but I I could see that happening for sure. It does. There is a possibility hundred percent. Yeah, I'm also biased because I hate trial of Chicago (laughs) seven. So it's fine. (laughs) I'll fully admit it. (laughs) Uh, We'll see though. I just think they'll, they'll just, they can't not give it to Sorkin. I just don't know. I feel like, not that I think it's the best screenplay of the bunch, obviously, but I do, I just, I just feel like he's got that pull. So we'll see what happens there. Um, who knows though? I think you are right. I think him missing out on, as we see director, I think that maybe does play to the Academy isn't in love with trial as much as we thought it would be. Maybe that does hurt him here, but we'll see. Uh, I still think it is, it is the two horse race that we do expect. So we'll move up now to best supporting actress. Um, the first name, this is the, the first thing they, they, they announced and I was watching the stream and they, they say Maria Baklova and I was like, yes, thank God. So cool. <laughs> first uh, Bulgarian uh, actor or actress to get nominated period at the Oscars. And just, she's never been in an American film, uh, never really been out of her, her, her area over there in the world in uh, Bulgaria. So it's just so cool to see her get in here in a performance that is just so zany. And it's just so weird for the Oscars to recognize it, but really she does keep up with Sasha Baron Cohen throughout this entire movie and maybe even one ups him in a lot of scenes. Uh, so she does deserve this nomination. So she gets in Glenn Close gets in um, Olivia Coleman gets in Amanda Seyfried gets in and then yeah, Yoon Jung from Minari gets in. Um, don't know who the front runner is. I mean, it's very tough. If you just looked kind of at the season without names, it was just kind of actress, a actress b actress c you have to say maria but i don't know if she, i don't know if she wins the oscar yeah i don't know i just i would have liked to see dominic fishback in here somewhere for judas uh literally just anyone except glenn close i feel like i've made my point clear there she's nominated for a razzie i feel like that explains a lot <laughs> so um my my fear is that she is uh, the front runner, but I don't know. I feel like, like I said, with the 40 days between the nominees and the ceremony, I feel like there will be enough time for maybe the tie to turn against her. I feel like, and that's not to say I love Glenn Close, she's an amazing actress, one of my favorites, but she's just like it would be really sad if she won her Oscar for this because it's probably one of her, it's on the bottom tier of her performances in her career. Um, yeah, so she's done so much, she's done so much great work, it just wouldn't be cool to like be like she won the Academy Award for Hillbilly Elegy as Mama. So um, I'm hoping it's uh, Maria Bakalova or Amanda Seyfried, but my guess is it's Maria Bakalova because Amanda Seyfried, to my dismay, just hasn't been doing um, been doing very well in yeah. other like voting voting and whatnot. Yeah, I wouldn't count out uh, yeah, Yoon Jung there. I think she could win for Minari. I think that'd be really cool as well, her to win there. Um, this is the one category where I feel like all five are kind of starting at the bottom. Like say it's a horse race. They're literally coming out the gate altogether I find uh, whereas a lot of other categories you got someone who's really out and ahead I think personally I could I like I wouldn't be shocked if any of these five won 
like they open the card and they read the name, I wouldn't be shocked if any of the five won um, at this point. So I think we'll see. I, I'm going to go with the SAG winner to be the front runner, whoever that's going to be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting category for sure. And uh, we'll see. I think hopefully as more people see the father, maybe there will be a conversation around Olivia Coleman. Maybe, maybe that will develop. Because uh, the father, I mean, it's just a movie that people have been struggling to see, but maybe, you know, it's finally now coming out, I think, pretty soon on uh, VOD in the United States and Canada. So we'll see. Maybe that conversation will begin. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. No front runner for me. I, I, I can't put a front runner here. I can't either. I yeah, I, I would it wouldn't shock me either if anyone won here. Yeah, it'd be funny, though, to see a Coleman beating Glenn Close again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll that would happen, be but. that would be some sick kind of poetry there, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now I'll move on to best supporting actor. So we had Sasha Baron Cohen uh, for Trial, uh, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and then Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. And if you've been checking out his Instagram these last twenty four hours or last forty eight hours, uh, it's been hilarious. He's just been uh, posting some really funny things uh he had he like he's like uh what was it he's like i'm oscar nominated he's got these crying faces uh and then he's like um first actor with a uh face tattoo to get nominated lmao <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm confused too but f it <laughs> so yeah that's the that's the wow that's like the wow like so yeah, they're going down the list there on Oscar on the nominations morning there. And Sasha Baron Cohen makes sense. Daniel Kaluuya makes sense. Leslie Odom Jr. makes sense. And then uh, Paul Racy there for Sound of Metal. That was kind of like a, a very awesome moment for him to get in there. And then Lakeith, I mean, what? Like he's campaigned as a lead. Uh, I just don't get it. Like Judas has no lead. Uh, it's a conversation that a lot of people are having right now. It's unbelievable category fraud, uh, but I'm here for it because, yeah, because Keith is amazing in this movie and for, he just wasn't doing well in the lead act, lead actor race. He just was always like polling like probably like eighth or ninth for some reason. Like he just wasn't getting any traction there. But I mean, it's ultimately it's up to the voters. And I guess some of them assumed that Daniel Kalia was the lead in the movie. Some of them voted for Keith as the lead. So there was probably some weird thing back and forth where. They got votes in both, but then Lakeith also just got enough in supporting to get um, the spot here. So very bizarre uh, turn of events, but I'm here for it because Lakeith is amazing and he's one of our best actors. So it's just really cool to see him get nominated. But um, I would have liked to see if we're looking at like snubs here, Chadwick Boseman and Five Bloods would have been really cool. Um, and just anyone else in One Night in Miami would have been nice. I feel like it's kind of weird that uh, Kingsley Benadire just hasn't gotten a lot of um, coverage. Maybe he was tapped as lead actor. I can't remember how prime he was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that would that's that's a tough one. But I would have liked to see him in there somewhere, and he would have. That movie's an ensemble, so you could have made a case that he's also a supporting actor. Um, but oh, anyone yeah. else if, in them, anyone else in that movie as well. But if, um, if Lakeith lands in supporting, I mean, he could have landed in supporting, right? Like yeah, literally, like you could put anybody in supporting now, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it's uh, like, I think it's a tough, like you look at One Night Miami, I think Leslie Odom Jr., I think he was kind of the most uh, vibrant of all four, right? He's, he's the singer. He gets to do a little bit more. He gets to show off a little bit more. So maybe it makes sense. But yeah, I mean, no Jared Leto. Okay, great. But uh, Paul oh, Racy getting in, like, how cool is that? Like, it's just something that he probably never would have expected. And it's it's one of those nominations that wasn't manifested out of, um, it wasn't really manifested out of, say, uh, media. And it wasn't really manifested out of, say, building a narrative. It was really just purely manifested out of people watching the movie, recognizing how good he was, and that just carrying him to a nomination. I mean, it's so cool. Yeah, stuff like that has been happening more often for the past few years. And I think his nomination does speak to the changes that the Academy has made to their voting body. And obviously, there's still more change that needs to be done. There's a lot more uh, work of inclusion that they have to do. But this is a sign that they are in, they are make, putting the, the right steps forward. So I think that's, yeah, it's just really cool. Certainly. And I think someone uh, brought up a point, I read this, that could we see vote splitting now between Kaluuya and Stanfield? I don't think so. I think enough people are just going to give it to Kaluuya here. I think he's he's the guy that, I mean, you look at these names, I think there won't be too much vote splitting. Uh, I, I do think Kaluuya still 
pulls out the victor here. So I do have him still as my favorite personally. Yeah. His performance is an all timer, honestly. Like as soon as you watch that movie, you're like, Oh, this we're, we're going to be talking about this movie for, for forever. So he is my front runner. I think he is just terrific in this, but, but honestly, I wouldn't be too bitter if anyone here won, maybe Sasha Baron Cohen. And um, this is just separate from my Chicago seven hate, but like, he's also like 20 years too old for that part. I didn't even realize that. Cause I'm just not, I just wasn't as knowledgeable of the events that the movie's covering, but yeah, Abby Hoffman was like 30 during that trial. <laughs> so a little goofy. Uh, I think he is one of the better parts of the movie, but it's, it's just a little, little silly. Yeah. I mean, it's odd. Um, yeah, another one we could have mentioned for snub, or not really a snub, but a surprise. Uh, Little Miss that I was hoping to see was Alan Kim maybe getting in. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, uh, that too. But yeah, so that's our best supporting actor. Now, best actress um, kind of went with my five here. I actually went 10 for 10 across the board there for actor, actress. Um, and I got, I think, pretty much everyone besides, um, I put Jodie Foster in for supporting actress. I thought that golden globe win would be enough that actually breaks a 44 year streak of the golden globe winner not getting in um even just to be nominated um and obviously no one's going to predict the keith i think if you're predicting that you're you're on another level um but yeah so the best actress was pretty much as we've expected to be uh viola davis gets in andre day gets in vanessa kirby gets in francis mcdormand gets in and carrie mulligan gets in i really don't know who the favorite is here i think it is between mulligan and mcdormand but i think there's a potential for andre day to maybe climb up the ranks a little bit i think that golden globe win was shocking enough that it'll get more people watching that potentially um yeah i think it's between mulligan and mcdormand at this time yeah this has been the five that we've seen in other voting bodies for however long we've been doing this podcast so no no too not too many surprises here um i would have liked to see like julia garner from the assistant or Ronnie Taylor Joy, or um, just who I can't think of the actress from Never Really, Never Rarely. Something oh, Sydney Flanagan. Sydney Flanagan. That's right. She was yeah. incredible in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they, like they, they that just wasn't going to happen. That's just how voting works, and I think that's a different discussion. Uh, but I would have loved to see them here. But this five, I can't really pick any bones. These are all pretty good performances by me, even Andre Day and. Uh, Billy Holiday. That's just not a very good movie, but she's very good in it. Um, yeah. So I can't complain too hard. Yeah, and you know um, that one there, Sydney Flanagan, who was fantastic uh, in that film. Yeah, one of I the think, best performances of last year. I think that points to maybe the Academy needing a best newcomer category. I think that'd be really cool. Um, kind of blending actors and actors, just everybody, just, no matter who you are, you're just gonna kind of kind of get thrown into that. I know the Baftas have that. However it's voted on by the, the public in the United Kingdom. So it's very different. Um, the nominees are put in by the British Academy, but then the, the public votes on them. Um, I don't know how you do it, but I, I think it'd be really cool to see a best newcomer. And it's kind of just someone who is kind of a younger actor, actress. And uh, I think Sidney Flanagan would have done well in that hypothetical category. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of bringing something like that to the Oscars. Yeah, me too. I feel like that one and like best stunts are two Oscars that people have been claiming for for years now. So I think those would be pretty cool. For sure. Um, so yeah, we'll move to the best actor now. Actually, before we do, um, Francis McDormand and, and uh, Viola Davis there, just these nominations, it is really cementing them as all-time titans. Like uh, Francis McDormand, if she's able to win, she becomes the second most victories uh, by an actress. Um behind uh, Hepburn there. She would have three, Hepburn has four. Um, So yeah, these two are just kind of rising up big time. Uh, Very cool to see them. Such talented individuals, just cool to see them kind of get recognized. Uh, So now best actor, uh, pretty much the five that we did expect. I think the bottom one here we'll get to was kind of a, a good moment that maybe he was kind of on the cusp, but Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, and then Stephen Young gets in. Very cool. As someone who watched Walking Dead when he was a little kid, um, seeing this is cool because I feel like I've, I've seen him kind of kind of grow and then leave the show and then start movies, burning, uh, now Minari. I mean, here he is here in the Best Actor category. It's just a really cool thing to see. Um, but Chadwick's got to be our lock here. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I still don't 
I, I need someone to explain to me why Delroy Lindo didn't get a nomination because he's he by far the best performance we saw last year. I mean, maybe I can't speak for you, but I like I thought he was the best male performance I saw. So, um, but also to five was didn't do particularly well at all. So maybe that speaks to a general disdain for the movie. I don't know, but I think that was just it was bizarre. Like, like he was so good in that movie, but uh, the best actor category was pretty stacked this year. So, oh yeah. Um, it's tough, but I think he, he was by far one of the best things I saw. I would have loved to see um, Mads Mikkelsen for another round as well. That would have been a cool one. Even Ben Affleck for The Way Back. I thought he was great in The Way Back. I thought he was really terrific in that movie, but um, I don't know. I can't, I can't be too mad about any of these five because I'm one of the people that really, really likes Mank. So I think Gary Oldman was really good in that movie. So I like all these five. Yeah, I mean, Oldman for me is the worst of the five. I think he was great. And he's worthy of a nomination, but it would be cool to see Lindo steal an Oldman spot there. But yeah, I think the Lindo thing, he's he's he follows in the vein of what we talked about earlier, scores that live on. It's a performance that will live on. People will always think of that. Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems, people are going to think of that. Tony Collette in Hereditary, I think people will always go back to that performance. Those are performances that are just way too out there, I think, to get nominations. But those are performances that in those respective years, um, people just kind of cling on to and still always kind of look back on. I think Del Rolando, he'll, he'll fall into that. It seemed like he was just so good that no one wanted to touch it, you know? Like, he was just so good that no one wanted to even touch that performance. He did get uh, the Critics' Choice nomination, but he missed everywhere else this season. Um, it's just so sad. It's it's tough. Uh, but I'll, I'll always love that. I mean, he was he was so good, uh, and, and we will always remember it. But, uh, yeah, poor guy. Yeah, it's tough. I think part of it too was that the Five Bloods was back in the summer, and that certainly doesn't help. Um, but there's also just been there's been a weird relationship with the Academy and Spike Lee for as long as we can remember, right? Because like driving Miss Davy Miss Daisy over um, do the right thing is like one of the more classic like uh, Academy fuck ups that we've what we've ever seen. Um, he was when he was campaigning for Black Klansman a few years ago, it seemed like he changed his tone a little bit because normally he's pretty um, out and about about things he doesn't like, especially about the Academy. Yeah, you have that big moment, though, when he turned his back on Green Book winning. You remember that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he has had an interesting relationship. I mean, a lot of his I mean, he won for the adapted screenplay a couple of years ago, which was huge. Uh, for Black Klansman and a lot of his movies pick up nominations here or there but he never really has anything that completely runs the table and yeah I think the five bloods coming out in June hurt it a little bit um I don't know it's it sucks I'm glad I got something there glad I got the score nomination but it was one of my favorite films of the year so I was hoping it would get in a little bit more but it is the extended season maybe it's a little bit of that I don't know it's too bad um, but yeah, I think Chadwick's our winner here. And I mean, deservedly so. He did great in Ma Rainey. And uh, it's uh, it's very sad, obviously, to always think of Chadwick Boseman here throughout this award season. And I think you can't really not uh, uh, kind of award him here and recognize him for what he did. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. And just before we quickly go to director, I, I'm just happy to see Riz Ahmed. I did want to mention that. I think I remember when I watched Sound of Metal, I'm like, this movie might be too small for the Oscars. I don't know. But more people watched it and liked it, and it just kind of grew. It's the Amazon uh, machine as well, a little bit, kind of being able to get it everywhere. But uh, I'm happy he got in. Uh, so our best director lineup here. First one they mentioned there, uh, Thomas Vinterberg for another round. And I'm like throwing everything around. I'm like, what is going on here? And it, it did strike me as that Cold War pick from a couple of years ago, right? And I, I did expect there could be something random here. And I think this nomination um, signifies that if you're a front runner for Best International Film, you are also probably in the director conversation, right? Like that international aspect of the director's branch is, is rallying around him and he gets in. Uh, so David Fincher also gets in for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, which is so cool. And it was at this point that I'm like, oh, no. Uh, they're they're going to drop the ball here and nominate just one woman when they could even do up to three. And uh, then Chloe Zhao got in. And I was like, okay, makes sense. Obviously, she's our front runner. And then no Aaron Sorkin. Uh, Emerald Fennel gets in for Promising Young Woman and all is good again. Yeah, I would have loved to see Shaka King or Regina King, any 
any of them. I mean, it was a really good year for black movies and there isn't a black director in here. So that's kind of tough, but um, I do love two women in there and Thomas Winterberg for another round is awesome. Like that movie's great. So I can't really complain too hard. And like I said, I watched the last 10 minutes of that movie yesterday and it's just, it's fucking amazing. I love, I love another round. It's so cool that we get to talk about it more. So um, yeah, I, I think these are all cool picks. I like all of these movies and I think all these people did really great, really good jobs. So I guess it's Chloe Zhao's uh, Oscar to lose. Yeah, I'd agree. I think hundred percent it is. Uh, she's got to be the front runner. Um, yeah. I, I, I would expect as, as the years go on, I think we should expect to see a international movie director land here. I think that should be the norm now because you have the director's branch, which was puts in their nominees. There's a real contingent of, um, international directors in there that probably will find one that they like and rally around them to get him in there and get him or her in there. And I think this year we see it, we've seen in the past couple of years. Very cool though. I, I like that. Yeah. And it's, it's a, he did a really good directing job in this movie because it's a really tricky kind of idea he's messing with because this movie's all about drinking and he doesn't really moralize it. Like, it's not like, oh, drinking's bad. I think that's not what the movie's about. And it's really playing with that idea really effortlessly. And it all just culminates again. And it's just that amazing ending. So he does a really good job of directing his actors and playing with the themes of that movie. So um, it's well-deserved. And I think that's it's a really cool part. It's just another sign of the academy changing, getting a little more, a little more international, getting more inclusive. It's just, it's just cool. I think it's, I mean, he's been a great director for a while too, and he's made a few good movies with Mads Mikkelsen. So it's nice to just get to see him get that recognition on a, in Hollywood. Cause he's normally just been staying in, in Denmark and making Danish movies, but it's just, it's, it's really cool to see him get at this platform. For sure. And this is, for me, it's a stacked lineup. I think it is a really stacked director lineup this year, and I'm really happy with it. And I mean, I, I just, I love it. I think it's great. And I think it speaks to how good a lot of the nominees were this year. So I'm pretty happy. Uh, now we get into the best picture. So they only went eight. Um, very interesting. So they go eight. Next year, they're mandated to go back to 10. I think from now on, it's going to be set at 10. As of right now, it's five to 10, but they did eight this year. They usually do nine. Uh, but they did eight. So the father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Benari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. So those are your eight. A um, lot of good movies there. Uh, the big kind of omissions that were expected to get in was One Night Miami and Ma Rainey. Um, both of those movies got a lot of nominations outside of the Best Picture uh, section here, but they did miss out. Um, but Judas really overperformed. I mean, and Sound of Metal, those were two movies that were kind of on the cusp of getting in. And then they somehow just picked up six nominations and a Best Picture nomination and really looked strong. Uh, what do you make of this lineup personally? Personally, for me, I love it. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel similarly. I like all these movies, except for, like I said, The Father, which I haven't seen on trial. So I think and a lot of and those movies that I have seen, I think are really, really terrific and have a lot of great things that I like in them. Um, yeah, it's a little weird that they went to eight um, I, would, I would have liked to see, I'm, I assume that based on the other categories that Ma Rainey was ninth. So probably just didn't get that threshold. Um, but I would have liked to see either that or one night in Miami in here. Um, even soul too. It's kind of weird that the, like the soul, like the soul train, awful pun, but um, it's kind of weird that that one kind of slipped by and just kind of like lost steam. Cause I feel like when we were talking, maybe in like November, we thought it was kind of a lock to be, Maybe not a lock, but like a pretty likely choice for be for best picture. So it's a little weird that I didn't get in. And it's also out of all of these, it's probably the movie that the most people saw, you know, because it was just available on Disney Plus on Christmas. So that was a little weird, but I do like these choices. Um, I think there's a lot of things to like here, even though there are some tough omissions. Um, I'm just happy that for in years to come that we get 10 overall. Yeah, about Soul, you're right. I think, I mean, I was looking back to when the last time we saw an animated movie get in, that was Toy Story 3, uh, about a decade ago. Um, so it's, it's rare, but I thought Soul was the one to maybe do it, especially in this COVID year where there's like movies, it, it's been hard to see some of these and just, it was the one that was the most accessible, as you said. Um, but yeah, it didn't. Uh, so we look at these eight, I do agree. I think Ma Rainey is number nine. It got five nominations total, which is a ton, uh, but it just didn't get in here. Um, 
and one night got three, but yeah, I think Ma Rainey's got to be number nine. And it is an interesting algorithm, right? Because when, when you vote on best picture, you do one to eight or eight to one, uh, kind of your favorite to your least favorite or the one you want to win to the one you least want to win. So it's kind of that ranked ballot choice. However, in deciding the nominees, it's just whoever gets the most first place votes and it's kind of the top, whoever can pass that threshold. So I guess with Ma Rainey, that people liked aspects of those movies, but there weren't enough people putting it one to get in. Uh, whereas I guess there's got to be a contingent there for movies like Judas and Sound of Metal and The Father, which were kind of on the cusp. There's got to be groups of people there that are like, yeah, that's our number one. And it got them in. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm mostly happy with this lineup, though. I think it's one of the better ones. I don't think there's quite a movie like Green Book. I think Trial's better than Green Book. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it personally. Yeah, I agree there. I like Trial is a better movie than Green Book. So I can't like, I, it, it pretends to be about things. So it's, I don't know, it's whatever. But um, I think it's in future years, it's just better that it's going to 10 because I feel like it just, it's, it's far more inclusive just in terms of the movies that it gives there's a better chance that people have seen some of the best picture nominees, obviously if there's 10 overall. Um, but I just think that just makes it more interesting, you know, like why, like it is, it seems even though like, I understand like the threshold and all the voting stuff, but it does seem a little weird that they would cap it at eight in a given year. Um, I, I just, I, I, I prefer 10. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's solid overall though. I'm, I'm, I'm glad with this lineup. Do you see Nomadland as the front runner right now? I think we, we should get into that before we wrap up. I think for me, it is, I don't really see anything else fully challenging it right now. I think trials obviously still lurking. Um, we saw with um, Aaron Sorkin getting kind of capped on the director uh, lineup there. I think it hurts trial. Um, Minari's kind of been surging lately. Um but I do think Nomadland has to stay as our front runner right now, but it's such an unprecedented year, as you said, 40 days between nominees and the award show, anything can really happen. Yeah. I think Nomadland is the leader for now, but I'm, I think I'm banking on a Minari late surge and re the big reason is we have 40 days. So we have a lot of time for people to see this movie. And I feel like, Nomadland isn't quite in Shape of Water territory where I feel like everyone's like, yeah, Shape of Water is pretty good. Like, I like it. It's pretty good. But I feel like there's a there's a stronger con uh, contingent of people who really like Nomadland uh, than the Shape of Water. But I think everybody who sees Minari loves it. So I think this extra time gives, people, gives more of a chance for people to um, seek it out and watch it. Uh, so I think there's a possibility of a late surge there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's certainly a possibility. Um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. We have so much time now to just kind of sit back and see what happens. I think next time we'll get back together. There's there's a lot of the guilds that vote, um, DGA, PGA, stuff like that. We got the BAFTAs to cover at some point. But yeah, it's going to be a little bit. So we're going to take a small hiatus from the show a few weeks until we see some more of the uh, other kind of bigger precursors hand out some hardware. Uh, but as it stands, I'm, I'm happy with these uh, nominees this year. I think it was pretty good. And one thing to note, uh, Trial was the most expensive Best Picture nominee at around $35 million. Um, last year, I think there were four or five movies that were that cost more than that. So it's, it's, it's a year, I, I wouldn't fully say the year of the indie, but I think there are a lot of movies here that otherwise may have flown under the radar with the Oscars. And I'm so glad they're here. And uh, it's just, it, it's so cool. Isn't Mank more expensive? No, they're both around that. Mank's budget was thirty, and Try was. 35. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. I would have. I have. I for some reason I thought Mank's budget was like eighty or something like that. Yeah, they're both around that thirty to forty range, thirty-five range. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, you look at last year, right? Joker's at fifty. Four V's at fifty. What? Uh, Once upon a time's at. Uh, sorry, four V was at hundred. Once upon a time at a hundred, and then Irishman at two hundred. So last year you had all those movies that were that were pretty big and then this year really it's it's not there's nothing really touching that so it, it's cool right it's cool a lot of these movies were, were very inexpensive and very low budget and indie and that they do get in um i'm, I'm not happy to see it Who do you think is the biggest loser come oscar night is it mank 
It's got to be. I think Mank's a one for ten movie. I think. I think Mank wins production design and it deservedly so, but I don't think it is the front runner anywhere else. So I think it goes one for 10. Um, I could also see if the father doesn't catch on going over six with the father or over five, whatever it is. Um, even sound of metal, because I mean, you would consider Riz Ahmed is probably the best part of that movie or maybe the sound aspect of it, but uh, it could go over six as well, but I do hope it picks up sound. I don't know. Um, in a in a sad world, Minari goes over six because yeah, it didn't really. There's a, there's a chance there. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't really do too much below the line, and it's up in some very tough categories where it is. So I think Minari could go over six as well. But yeah, what are you what what are you kind of feeling here? Is the uh, yeah. maybe the big loser? I feel similarly. I think there there's another and there's another universe where trial kind of kind of comes away empty-handed in there as well but i think you kind of got it there also possibly promising young woman maybe who, who knows i think there's a chance there if uh sorkin picks up screenplay and that goes over but um yeah i think you cover most of it yeah um so yeah that's our that's our oscar nominees for 2020 2021 oscar season very exciting stuff uh, i want to thank you again nick for coming on it's a pleasure as always can't wait to come back with some heavily crafted takes in three weeks or whenever we come back <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to it very good a lot of time to catch up with these movies and i hope everyone certainly does so as always you can check us out and all of our content our instagram twitter facebook moviebabble.com as well and uh as always take care and uh, watch some movies 